I get that. I get that. But is we live though? Is we like all the way live though? You we is. We is. You did. Yeah, I mess with that. I mess with that new intro, man. This is the constantly improving, you know, always, always illustrious. The space where the vulnerable are powerful and the most gangster thing you could do is serve. This is all the way live. What up? You know what it is, man. You know what it is. Listen, Miles, this is my flu game right now. If you can hear, there's a little bit of congestion going in, but it, it don't matter because what we do on this show every week is we come through and we give these people a show. We give these people a show about carefully curated content for their cranium. We take things, topics, and ideas that people care about. We apply ourselves to them. We apply time to them. And then we bring them over here to the show for the sole reason. Only one reason, and Lord knows I've been looking for these types of reasons throughout my week, that even if we can be, even for a small moment, bro, like a little piece of happiness for somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, if we can even be, like, just a moment that makes somebody's day better, that improves somebody's day, because we know people is going through it. And that's why we do the show over here, man. So welcome absolutely everybody to the All The Way Live podcast. If it's one person, 10 people, 10,000 people, 10 million people, it don't matter to us. It's two pens, Wayne. Let's go. <laughs> that's right. It's two pens, Wayne. You cannot congest the content. With that in mind, so I need you to check your audio settings. Make sure you're coming through through the mic crispy, crispy, the way we're supposed to, man. Because we, we can't have Exeter not be in a building as thoroughly and as crisply as possible. You know what I'm saying? So check look, that out. Look, That's look, look, I ain't even got I ain't even got to do it again, but I let people know this from the jump that me and my brother Miles absolutely appreciate everybody that tunes into this show. It's a pleasure to do this show. It's a pleasure to be speaking to people. It's a pleasure to have this continuous growth. Welcome to the show again, man, on a more clear audio experience. That's right. That's right. Proper, proper, proper. So Exeter is in the building. Proper. Chicago is in the building. Proper. This podcast is 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 is, is recorded on stolen property. You know what I'm saying? You like how I did that right there? Recorded on stolen property. That's what you property. did. You know? Miles stole the building that he's in. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, quiet as it's kept. Quiet as it's kept, man. Thank you, thank you. And that on this episode concludes the fictional portion of the All the Way Live podcast. Continuing to the factual, actual portion of the podcast, this podcast is actually factually filmed on stolen property, filmed on stolen land. Chicago is actually factually in the building. <clears throat> this land that constitutes Chicago, that constitutes the United States in many places, right, was lived on by Potawatomi people and the violence done to remove them from that land is in is is inseparable from the violence that we see in our city today our country today and in our world today so with that we always lift up love for black and brown people the world over we lift up love for native american people the world over that's how we end the intro that means that's over i'm so excited to get into the show with my brother man what we got going on today Listen, man, before we get into anything else, we got to get right into Stumble Upon. So let's let people enter this section of the show. Yo. Kids official sliding on the instrumental. Nordic combos, twist your mental like forbidden jitsus. My clicks initial with the- Hey, man. Look. This part of the show, 
Stumble Pump, we're trying to hear what y'all's trying to say, man. So we're checking out the comment section. If anybody's trying to say something to us on the comment section, let us know. We look and say, what's up? Let's know what's happening. Let us know what you guys want us to talk about, and we'll get into it, right? We'll get into it. One of the things, Mr. Miles Xavier, that was brought to us to discuss, which is an issue that is near and dear to my heart, Say, for instance, right, we've both been in a situation where you're with a special somebody, you're in a relationship, and that relationship then ends. The relationship is ends, whether it's amicable in some instances or terribly, as in most of the instances that you've been a part of. Nothing <laughs> happened. <laughs> the question is, the question is, how long do you keep talking to an ex after you've broken up? I think even I think your question uh, alludes to the answer, right? The it depends on how amicable the breakup is, and contrary to to popular belief, actually, I my my breakups have all been like very amicable in the sense that there was a lot of conversation to end it. There was a lot of there was probably in in more instances actually probably leaning too far, too much closure. Too much of, you know, this is how I feel. How do you feel? How do you feel? How do I feel? Until the feelings really faded. But just to be able to have those conversations, I think is a better situation than people getting cut off or feeling like, you know, they were wrong and didn't get to talk about it, didn't get to, you know, have accountability. So, yeah, it's never comfortable, but I think it depends on how you leave things off with that person, how much y'all can and should talk after that. I see that because like I can see that, you know, my brother is, is, is very eloquent in how he describes things. So I have to be vulnerable, take it upon my shoulders, even though this is my flu game and use this platform to be super transparent about things. I'm trying to text my ex, man, but I'm trying to be very cool about it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm trying to be very cool about it. But then it led me to let me to look back right at the different relationships that I've been in. And over time, as time has matured. I've gotten to a point where I've been able then to have these amicable separations, right? Coming out of a situation where nobody leaves particularly hurt on bad terms. It's just a very mutual and amicable split, which is a cool thing to have. But then that's those good. lines. That's thank you, brother. Thank you. Fire. Like that's, that's not an easy thing to do. I don't want to just gloss over that. Like a lot, yeah, there's a lot of emotions. If you are really with somebody if it's not, yeah, I don't know about all that, but like if if, it's, <laughs> if you're really with somebody, right, and you're and both of you are emotionally invested, to be able to separate and continue on with a with a any type of relationship without animosity, that takes a lot of communication. That takes a lot of investment of time and energy to making your feelings make sense. So I didn't want to just gloss over the fact that you've been able to do that. But that's real. And how I was able to get there, no cap, right? Like I've been. A person that has lied and cheat, cheated in many of relationships before, and then come... <laughs> <laughs> brothers way has come forth to in front of the congregation to let everyone know his sins. Brothers way, we appreciate you. You're you're a brave man. Let us know lies, cheating. What else? I've been a liar. <laughs> I've been a cheater. Well, I've been a hoe. <laughs> a whole what? You've been a whole what? A whole hoe, my nigga. But oh. the issue, the thing about it, right? Threw you the life out. You just cut it. That's beautiful. <laughs> but 
of how how it ended up getting to a place where it's amicable is that learning from those past relationships and how bad those splits have been being like, I right, cool. Let me get into this relationship where I'm an honest person, where focusing on communication, not cheating, not holding a rod, like a completely faithful relationship down to the book. Right. So in investing into that, in investing that type of uh, honesty into that relationship, by the time when it was time to end, the reasons for it ending were outside of infidelity, were outside of lies, and it opened up for a space where people could look at, where we could both look at the relationship, be like, damn, you know, we've had a really good run. Um, outside outside circumstances uh, are leading to us to have this split. But then after that, right, you don't want to keep being the same person that keeps texting the same. You don't want to keep texting your ex. You also don't, because my fear, right, this is, this is real talk. This is, this is and, and I can tell there's some people that are live over here. So come on in, family. Give it to us. My big fear. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the dude texting an ex while she's out with another dude. I don't want to be that ex. There's, okay. So this, there's, I think there, there's a couple, there's so many different interesting conversations here. And I think to not to summarize too quickly, but I think in determining like, when should you text your ex is thinking about what are you texting for? Right. Is it just solely because you need some type of reassurance or is it because you're trying to open a line of communication for both people to be able to exchange? Right. Are you anticipating a very specific response? Are you hoping for a very specific response? Are you only texting because you hope for a very specific response for your ex? Or are you opening a dialogue where you think some healing can take place? That's that's one conversation. Another conversation that I think a lot of us need to have with ourselves is who is this voice? Who is this person that's <laughs> keeping track of all the times we are a sucker in a situation? You know what I'm saying? I think that Yo, is a that, lot of... Go ahead, go ahead. That, that inner black voice shows itself up in many instances I was, because I remember... I don't know if it's just a black thing, but if it's for sure a black voice in my head. That's like, bro... In my head, it's a black voice. I don't. I, my, my inner voice is a black voice. But, but specifically that voice that says, you know, <laughs> don't, don't, hey, man, don't get played. Don't do that, bro. Hey, hey. That's- but it it, it, it it extends itself past relationships, right? I remember a very specific time I was driving back with my mom over some other stuff, and I we just gone through something that was a very that that was that would make a man cry. You know what I mean? And I thought about my I said, "Swear this would be a great time to cry," and I was warranted to be able to cry. There was all the opportunity I should have cried, and I tried to cry right before those tears came out. That inner black voice said, "Don't." Be a bitch. <laughs> and it stopped me from crying. I swear to you. I swear to you is what my head told myself. Did You, you said in describing that moment that it would have been an appropriate time to cry. Did, but clearly you didn't. Did you feel like that in the moment? Did you feel like this would be an appropriate time to cry, but I'm not going to? Or do you? Well, I tried. Like, you tried? I tried to cry. <laughs> then that voice said, don't you dare. Do you think that was because you were with your mom or do you think do you think if you were alone, you would have let yourself cry? I did. Listen, as black men, we've been conditioned and that like comes right back into what we're talking about with texting exes. Right. Do I think I'm by myself now and I'm still not letting myself have those texts like and that's the type of person I am. Right. If we break up, no cap, I we're not. I'm not texting. Right? If, if we split, I'm not going to text back. I'm not hitting back up. I'm not following up. I'm not going to. I'm going to stop from wait, a distance. Wait. Wait, 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 wait. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you, said, you said a lot. Wish you would have stopped at the first one. 
but yo, you said you're not gonna do you mean you mean you're not gonna text first? You said you're not gonna text back. Do you mean you're not gonna text first? I'm not gonna text first. Okay. But you would text back if they texted you. Definitely, definitely. And I'll engage openly. And if there's and if if they if let's say the other person takes the initiative to open up room for that conversation, then I'll go forth. But will I take it upon myself to be the person that does that? No. Man, there's women that I love that I still haven't texted in years. <laughs> That's on ice. <laughs> That's on ice. Yeah. So but okay, so what is what is uh I'm gonna switch the word up for you for your sake and mine and the pods. <laughs> what does monitor from a distance mean? Because 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 what did I say? Stalk from a distance. <laughs> I'm giving them to it, folks. You see, I'm trying to help. I'm I'm giving them all the chances. Nah 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 nah. Don't censor me, man. This is we talking we talking to family right here. I mean, stalk from a distance obviously is is the is is virtual not stalk. Okay, I'm a, let me let me reword it right. <laughs> Oh, changing up the word was a good idea. Oh, thanks, Miles. Appreciate from a mile away. I appreciate. I mean, you you know what it is, dude. You checking their Instagram page, seeing how they're doing, seeing if they're cool. But even then, I'm probably not gonna like. I'm definitely not watching stories like that. I'm not gonna watch a story. Yeah, you're you're surveilling from with like uh, yeah, from a distance. I get that. It's interesting to me though because like <clears throat> going back to the whole like crying thing, right? Like. As me as a dude, yeah, I could see with another person in the car, my mom, uh, my lady, even like my pops, my little brother, I might hold back them tears, right? I think as a, but I've like, I've been riding in the whip, just listening to music that's really hit me and then boom, just start crying. Crying, listening to Kanye West. Crying, listening to Meek Mill. You know what I'm saying? Like really, really like, and you know it's and I'm and I'm aware that it's something that's built up. I'm aware that I've been carrying whatever it is and it's coming out because I really connect with music and something about riding in the car, but I allow myself to cry in those moments. So I'm I'm, I'm interested by that aspect of like would you did would you have let yourself cry? And you related it back to the conversation of texting saying like, well there's a my inner voice polices me so much that I wouldn't respond in that way. And like on my on my end, I feel the same thing, right? Like in that regard, where I will let myself cry if I'm in a car by myself, I do police myself a lot when it comes to texting, when it comes to what I put out there. Like everything almost gets pictured as a screenshot before I get sent before I send it out. <laughs> no cap. No cap. Like I'll be on my phone, like, all right, like even like even in an emotional situation, like thinking about what I said and then just look at it in the box, like, mm. Now, if somebody screenshotted that, like, am I still, <laughs> am I still that guy? You know what I'm saying? No, like, but like that goes, that goes into that goes, and like I love the conversation about allowing ourselves to cry, especially as black men, right? There's a great conversation to have on that. But again, on the texting and reaching out thing, it's 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 the it's wanting to maintain and preserve that that certain element of of cool, and also you, you don't I don't want to ever be a man that's that that's that's uh pressing a woman i don't want to ever be a man that's that's uh bothering a woman also you want to give people space to heal you want to give people space to be able to um to 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 come into their own with their emotions and whatnot i think we got some we got some comments in the comment section coming in it says i think for the zwe guy that's me i'm zwe guy it's important to know that you don't want to be you want you don't want to bore people 
friends, family with bringing in many women and being in so many relationships that when you eventually get it right, nobody cares anymore. You still want to be able to get people to genuinely be happy. You found it and not say, oh, here we go again. And I think that's real. Thank you. That's important. That's important for your support system, not to exhaust them. Right. Not to not to be like, yeah, man. And that's and that's an awareness in yourself. Right. To know. When am I only satisfying my current need at the time? When am I looking for somebody who can feed into that? And when am I entering into a partnership, a partnership that necessitates, right? If I can get in my vocab game, a partnership that necessitates bringing in my family and friends for both support and both for their opinions on this person that can be tiring. That's good. Enough. You got the best. Look at the audience, man. Add it to the content. I love it. This is beautiful, man. But you said something, Miles, that I really want us to to get into, right? Which is about, and we stumbled upon it. Uh... <laughs> Yo, I don't want my name under this caption, fam. I'm so open to the conversation, but I don't. Oh man, that's out there now. Well, Come on, Miles, this is right. this is the topic. <laughs> yeah, well, shorty, and I meet your heart out, man. For the <laughs> listeners, uh, Miles is titled this this uh as titled oh. this episode let black boys cry over their exes great great title um but letting letting black boys cry so there is that's that's been a lot of conversation around uh <laughs> around just black masculinity and allowing and when is the right time for black boys to cry and whatnot right i for one am somebody that doesn't cry very often although i do believe that i'm emotionally in tune with myself and I do believe that I allow myself to feel the full depth and breadth of what my emotions are, right? You are somebody that has taught me how to cry, not the not to put it like any other way. Uh, let me let me let me preface this with the situation. What's right? that? What's that? Teach me how to love. Is that is that who? I wish I knew who was saying that. So put that. Miles wants to teach me. You want to teach me how to love, Miles? Is that what you saying? I want to teach. I want to teach everybody who is bottling up their emotions how to express them. If that if that can be categorized as that, then for sure that. Check this out, right? Me and you, we're in India, and I don't know if I ever told you this story, but we're in India. It's a beautiful setting. We're there for a wedding. It's absolutely, you know, it's absolutely, and and it's we're enamored in the situation. We're in a beautiful hotel celebrating the beautiful matrimony of our of our friends, and we're listening to incredible music. And at that moment, you sat down and very uh, pensively just thought to yourself, and you just allowed yourself to 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 express through your tears how joyful of a moment that was. And I remember one of our friends was like, why well, was Miles crying? I was like, man, this is such a beautiful moment. And I was inspired by that, right? I saw that. I was like, damn, bro, that's that that really is powerful. Vulnerable and powerful. You see what I did there? But that really is <laughs> that that really is powerful, right? Um I I think you might not literally need the physical tears to roll down your face. Cause there's times where I feel like that's the emotions that I'm feeling, where it's like cool. Outside of tears coming down my face, I am crying. Mm-hmm. Mm. 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 Speak on it. Poetry snaps for that. That's Come the on, new baby. That's the, that's the title of the episode. Outside of that's too long. But outside of the tears, outside of that physical manifestation, I'm crying. I think that relates to a lot of us, man. And I and I think I think there is really something powerful to be said about not expecting that physical manifestation. Being put in a position where you're feeling the weight of any different type of emotion that might arise, whether that's grief, whether that's anger, whether that's sadness, right? And and just feeling like 
you you're expected to you know and especially if that becomes public you're expected to cry or maybe you're expected to re respond a certain way and what's more important is to just allow yourself to feel what you're feeling right like just no matter no matter how it looks and that's where that support system comes back in is you need yeah. people that are willing to accept you in that emotional honesty that are willing to look at you when maybe your emotions don't make sense and to help you talk to talk through them you know yeah I don't, me personally yeah. there's a lot of situations where that are really sad that i responded to with humor right you know give me even, some examples even like my parents splitting up right like to me as and part of this is definitely a middle child thing right i think to whatever extent that really exists but there was definitely a time when I felt like, yeah, I was I was the one who was supposed to be the, you know, but we'll be fine. We'll like the glue in a certain sense. And I think part of that is is always is making light of things, trying to find the the silver lining and trying to convey that in a way that makes people want to smile or, or laugh or or see that brighter side of things. And you have to still and my my lesson in that was that I still have to find space to internalize whatever sadness I might be feeling about that. Right. Whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever hurt. Cause it's not, there's nothing wrong with, you know, reacting with, with humor, but if you're not really addressing what's going on, then that's when it's a problem. <clears throat> with the react off of the reacting off of humor thing. Right. I was reading that the, there's a few types of responses that people have to um, fight or flight, flight or flight responses, right? One of those things is you can cry, obviously fight or flight. And then there is laughter that comes into play. Also dancing. There's some people who dance their way out of like the difficult situations. Not like I'm interpretive dance, but I mean like literally a car accident happens and nigga will start pop lock. <laughs> That's that's real. <laughs> no, that's a real. That's real story. That's a real story, man. And so, I guess off that <laughs> off, <laughs> off of that human tip, I think more so that has to do with um, the maturity of being able to have perspective, bro. Like the maturity of being able to see situations and understand that although things are terrible right now, there's a lot of opportunity for this to be just for this moment and no matter what things will get better eventually you know so so that's there allow me to <laughs> pop lock my way <laughs> out of this nah, that's beautiful man that's beautiful because yeah and like it, it just comes back to being able to accept that people's reactions you know what i mean like especially the people you care about you know and just let people come to you as they are with what they're dealing with and it comes back to a conversation we have on this podcast all the time is having that conversation of like, yo, how are you? And not expecting the answer to be I'm fine. And also finding spaces where you feel comfortable telling the truth. Right. Mm -hmm. When you're not fine, what are the where are the spaces that where you can answer the question of how are you honestly and practice doing that? That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Listen, man, we done given people a whole lot. Miles has cried over his exes. Um, listen, Miles's exes, if any of you are watching this. Holla at my boy, man. He's going through it. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> please, please do not. And that that's that's not in this context. Not because you saw him. All right. Wait, my birthday, about like we do every year. All right. 
Yeah, how's that? Yo, Fresh content. One of the one of these days, one of these days, we'll have to talk about why birthdays and Christmases are dangerous for relationships. But Miles, we have a show to go, and we have a whole lot of very compelling content that we need to be able to give these people. Thank you to everyone that's commenting, man. We really appreciate it. We asked one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. But is we live though? Is we like all the way live though? You Share, hey, like, comment, subscribe. If you think it's worth a dollar, just like it. You don't even have to send us a dollar, man. What? What? There's no better deal than that. Indeed, yo, we got some, uh, we got some pretty interesting current news topics, right? Which is off of the bat of a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about over uh, a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about in in previous episodes. Just regarding, I think the first time we had this conversation was when. I was in when you came back from London and we had a conversation about how it felt to go to a London museum. And we were both like, it's, it is incredible. The feeling you get when you go into a London museum, bro, is like, yo, these, these people have stolen so many goods, you know? So this is an article that, that, that we able to, to come across over the week. In the beninging, I saw this article, right? And I was like, it was it was really interesting. Like I was very at first I was like, that's dope. You know what I mean? But well, actually, nah, not even but. That is dope. To return artifacts to where they're supposed to be, especially after they've been removed from that space via colonization, is only right. Right? That is that is the that is the baseline for beginning to be able to heal is taking accountability and returning what was stolen. So I, I, I do want to commemorate that, but there's a deeper conversation here about the ways in which white power structures and any type of colonial power structure that has benefited from plundering other countries, like what are the things that you're willing to give up and the things that you're not right Museums and artifacts, that's great. That That is important. That's art. That's history that allows people to connect to their culture. But there's also systemic things in place that just remain, like, uh, un, un, unchipped away at, if I can put it the best way my, my I can put it right now. You know what I'm saying? And it seems like it, it's... What do you mean by that? I mean, I, mean, I don't... I, I'm, I want us to be able to get what's ours back is like the bottom line but i want to keep in perspective that so much systemic harm has been done and there's there's so much that needs to be done to to help these to help countries to hold the countries that participated in colonialism accountable that has so much more to do with policy and legislation than the returning of than the returning of artifacts and so I want to keep I want to keep both things in in perspective. So I had a very interesting conversation this week, right? Um, and shout out to my boy George in Tur- Turkey, which is a an island town uh, in the south of England. Um, had the privilege of spending a day with him over there. Showed me around. It was pretty great. And one of the things that we're able to bring up is that the there's there's Greek marble, uh, there's there's Greek marble architectural designs from 
from back in the from back in the in the Caesar days, right? That were taken by the that were taken by the the United Kingdom hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Um, they took that infrastructure. They took that. Uh, they took the. I believe the the particular term of it was the 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 front facing pillars and arch right so if you think about it it would be let's say the front door and the pillars right of a of a large greek of a large greek um building took that put it into a museum right now and those have since then been able to be almost like the outline of which british buildings are built on right mm -hmm. so a lot of now british designs look like that first type of greek structure right it has now become ingrained into uk um uk architectural history cool now there's a lot of uh there's been a lot of uh there's been a lot of drawback now from greek from the greece and people from greece who are saying that they want those marble statues back and then you have a lot of people from the uk saying yeah but not only have we taken better care of them uh, they're now part of our history. This is now our history as well, right? When I hear that, it made me think about where I'm from, South Africa, where you have a lot of white natives, right? Who, when questioned about where they're from and where their history is, their history is ingrained into the country. That is, they are from South Africa they, and you cannot, and it's their, their roots are there, their home is there and they're, they're, they're buried there the whole night, right? But then there's obviously other South Africans who look at it like, nah, you guys are outsiders who are living in this country and you're outside. So when I see this, it, it, it almost triggers that same type of conversation about where, obviously with the, with the African thing, come on, guys, give them that. Give, give, give niggas back their things. I've, I'm, I'm all the way for that. Let me not stray away from that. But that was a conversation that I had this weekend that I thought was was quite interesting and fitted into uh, the question of where does ownership of something start and at what point does it make sense to be able to give it back to somebody? Well, I think it makes all the sense in, in this case, right? What, what, would be, what would be the argument for <laughs> what would be the argument for there for Germany to keep or any country to keep like if something was created as art anywhere within Africa and then during the process of either colonial intervention or post-colonial intervention where somebody because of a, a diluted infrastructure was able to come in and loot or raid or you know Laura Croft was able to come in and do her thing zip line up out of there with a whole bunch of treasure chest of jewels right uh, at what point does I, I, what is their leg to stand on in saying that they shouldn't have a responsibility to return them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Off of the Lord Croft, I can't believe they try to promote that white woman stealing all of this, all of this, <laughs> all of this art, artifacts to yeah. us like it was cool. Yeah, for sure. Indiana Jones, like, uh, wait a minute. What about? Yeah, the let's land acknowledgement that right. But it's not acknowledge Laura Croft. But so there's a but so there's there's an interesting conversation here, I think, about like so yeah, this is this is a museum, right, deciding to return this art, right? But it's not a policy. And that's what I was saying at the beginning. Is like I want it written into policy that if any institution <clears throat> is found to have to found to be holding 
like ancient artifacts that were gotten that got there by some type of theft whether that is immediate modern theft or in the process of colonialism that they have a due diligence to seek out the people the indigenous people or the people whom that was taken from and provide an opportunity to give that back yeah yeah i mean it's uh again look this is a question that i asked miles would it be better if they paid people this money right would it be better if they paid the countries that they took this money from and said listen this is the value of this stuff we're going to keep it here because we've housed it it is now part of this museum's infrastructure or better to say here's some money take it and go back here's some cash for it we're paying you for it and this is what we're keeping no and 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 here's here's why right because if that is in the country where it was made then the people who now live there have a greater access to it they can go to their local museum and see this art that is a representation of great work and great things done by their people which itself instills a sense of self-worth and a sense of history and a sense of connection to culture that's where it should be and can do the most good so i think absolutely that like it's not there's a there's something about having that history of your own art and your own people in your homeland where the people that are growing up that are disconnected to that culture by time but connected to it by blood and connected to it by history have an example to have an ability to go and see it that you can't monetize yeah yeah i think uh history is power you know what i mean history is power listen man we have a whole show that we have all the excitement for about getting into the into this hip hop talk. Thank you, Miles, for bringing this forward to us. Allow me, allow me, allow me to walk us into our favorite part of this show. You recommended and review. Hey Miles, we got a whole a whole lot of hip hop that we need to talk between each other. Um, one of our favorite artists, one of our absolute absolute favorite artists, just dropped um, an album. Mick Jenkins just dropped "Elephant in the Room." If you're not familiar with Mick Jenkins, Mick Jenkins is a Chicago uh, Chicago rapper. Um, he is one of the rappers that we have been following for a particularly long time. Um, very very excited once I saw this album. Uh, there's there's so much to there's so much to say about it. There's so much to speak on it. the 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 first thing that the first thing that brings me excitement about this is that it forces us to have it, it allows us to have the conversation about the value of Chicago hip hop at the moment. It, it allows us to have the conversation of Chicago hip hop at the moment, which is something that. that- Value hey man, wild, wild high for sure. Listen, and and some some podcasts have New York bias, some podcasts have Atlanta bias. You know, some podcasts have bias from all sorts of different places. It's important that y'all know that Chicago biases is is, is what we bring to this podcast. Miles, it you is. see the flag behind my brother? It is a Chicago bias, but with all right. With Dirk, where he's at, I don't even think we need bias to say the value of Chicago rap is high, right? Where rest in peace. Are they building Chicago rap outside of your house right now? They are definitely building Chicago rap outside of my house right now, for sure. And like, 
it's 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 I don't think I don't think it's I don't think it's a stretch to say that the value is high. It is. The value is super, super high for building Chicago, uh, for building Chicago rap. The value is very high in Chicago rap. I mean, the dichotomy of Chicago's rap scene, right, is that you have obviously the very gangster side of it with King Von, um, Dirk, um, King Von, Dirk. You had, um, how about forgetting the main one, Big Homie, uh, Dirk, Von Herb, G Herbo, there you go. Um, all spurring from the Chief Keef movement, right? Ever since the Chief Keef movement took off, um, motivated by Kanye, if you don't know Kanye, obviously from Chicago, um, and then the Don't Like video dropped in about 2012. Since the Don't Like video dropped in 2012, drill music not only has pushed itself past um, just the, the Chicago streets, but has been popularized all over. Now, People in the UK will very much claim that drill music started there. And you do have to give it to them that drill music did start there. And the current contemporary drill sound that we're hearing, hey Miles, don't don't let me fight you, bro. And these these men's is these man's is outside of my the house, isn't it? Contempor- bro? The current contemporary sound maybe started there, but the original sound, the drill music started in Chicago. Listen, listen, that's why I said current contemporary, but you'd be hard pressed to convince anybody from the UK that drill music started anywhere outside of here. I don't I don't, I don't know if that's true. I I feel like I've seen a lot of a lot like there's there's grime specific, right? But in terms of drill music, I feel like I've always seen UK drill and grime artists give it up to Chicago as the basis for that sound. Maybe I'm tripping, but I feel like I've always seen that respect given. I'm I'm I would be I would be flabbergasted to see otherwise when you have artists even before Chief Keef, right, that were that were creating that sound. So the current drill sound, which is the very popular sound, and the drill sound right now is the pop smoke sound for lack of a better reference, right? Because that is the ubiquitous sound that has taken over the the pop smoke hip-hop sound right yeah that derives again draw that line back into the drill music that came from chicago all to say since that period of time you had chicago from that from that spurring you have vaughn you had dirk you have um g herbo you have Lil reese you have um young chop on the beat who all pushed this sound up into stardom um to a particular point and then atlanta does what atlanta usually does which is step over absolutely everybody at that time and then the chicago drill sound kind of mellowed out a little bit in that mellowing out moment which brings us to this album we saw an incredible incredible spur of creativity in that spur of creativity, we had Chief, not Chief Keith, we had Chance the Rapper that came out. We had No Name, we had Saba, we had Vic Mensa, we had Mick Jenkins. We had Joey Perp. We had Joey Perp, we had Tokyo, we had the Save Money movement. There was a huge movement of this pseudo backpack rap sound coming out of Chicago. Also on the jazz side, you had Bad Bad Not Good, who is a frequent collaborator with Mick Jenkins as well. Enter the Waters mixtape. Fire. Mick Jenkins, the Mick Jenkins first EP. Enter the Waters mixtape, Mick Jenkins first EP. All to set that scene to say that in the time that, all to say that in that time, the question of who was going to be the king of Chicago, the question, it was, we weren't looking at drill music anymore. We're looking at this new creative collaborative sound that's coming out of Chicago. We're looking at Chance the Rapper, who was, always the golden child and favorite to win 
We're looking at Big Mensa, who at that time was standing next to Kanye, standing next to Jay-Z. Ignored in all of this was Saba and Mick Jenkins. And to me, and I said it on this podcast and I'll say it live, Mick Jenkins has emerged as the coolest and the most creative of all of that bunch today. Yeah, you no argument for me. Mick Jenkins is like, coolest is the operative word too. And cool in the sense of like, Mick Jenkins clearly is consistently making the type of music that Mick Jenkins wants to make without concern for where the current hip hop wave is pushing to, right? And in this album, Elephant in the Room, is kind of like, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful expression of confidence in the sense that I feel like the waters and the healing component were all, they worked. They, everything about those concepts worked for me, but they were very heavy handed in delivering that message. And he's reached this point where even on his previous albums, having spoken word interludes, trying to create the type of vibe he wanted his music to have, right? Now that vibe is thoroughly entrenched in the music. That spoken word vibe, that thoughtful, introspective. Uh, if I can compare him to, you know, an artist that's that's having maybe a, a broader appeal that people can connect to, there's a very Isaiah Rashad-ish quality to the looseness of the topic that he might be talking about, right? But the way that he has has insisted upon intellectual intellectual intellectuality dang man you know what i'm saying I, clearly i'm not nailed me. it bro take take clearly, your time baby take your time clearly i'm not mixing up the words like mick you know what i'm saying but the in, the way that he's insisted upon intellectuality in his in his art is is incredible and coolest like i love it i love i love watching him persevere and continue to hone his sound without trying to be chance without trying to be do dabble into the drill shit like he's just doing his thing and it's beautiful to watch it's it's absolutely beautiful to watch hope this doesn't get us kicked off of uh <laughs> hope this doesn't uh get us demonetized again Whoa. i'm trying not to get us demonetized it's youtubeception it's youtubeception but all to say though right i, I love the point that you made miles on um mick jenkins veering away from the initial concept that he was pushing right so for long-term jenkins fans and this is a super nerdy hip-hop conversation that we're having right now but hey man listen if you're a fan then you understand what we're saying right um the waters right the first out the first um mixtape slash lp came out the waters where he introduced this concept of the waters um it, it was a prevailing a prevailing theme arc of arc and, and direction in concept in, in concept of what his message was. It all revolved around this the waters. I remember seeing McJenkins live in 2016, um, where it would all revolved around again the waters. He'd say, drink more, the crowd would reply, water, drink more, water, which is something that we kept on saying. A very, very dope concept, right? A super, super, super dope concept and taking it into so many different layers, into a trilogy into a trilogy, ending it with um, the healing component, right? The healing component dropping in 2017. That was the last album of that trilogy. In my opinion, the second, excuse me, the third best Mick Jenkins album, first one being uh, The Waters, second one being this one that we're hearing now, and then the third one being The Healing Component with uh, Elephant in the Room. So with The Healing Component, it was almost a ribbon on 
that the water's theme. And even though I appreciated that theme, like you said, I'm so glad that he left it in order to be able to pursue a very, a, a lot more looser theme, a, a lot more looser uh, content and ideas around the music that he's made. That's when we started hearing that, that drowning with bad, bad, not good. You know, that's when we started seeing him release a little bit more of just sticking into try to fit things very artistically and very well into this, the waters box. And then having him just rap about, life and having him rap about all this other fly stuff and introduce the the art the art elements of it which he hold which he's really good at doing so hearing this album man i really really enjoy this this is one of my more my i enjoyed this over the circus which was his last giving what was the album with the the cover with the broken pieces of glass Pieces of a Man is also a very, very, very good album, too, man. This dude is, he's consistent with it. He's super, super consistent. Pieces of a Man. I think uh, I think this actually on first listen is my favorite Mick Jenkins project. I need to go back and listen to, was it The Circus? The, the kind of the EP that led up to this? Elephant yep. in the Room. I'm sure there are some connections there, knowing Mick and how he likes to get deep and, and make connections in his music. Um, but this was... This was, yeah, like, this was really just seemed like a crystallized version of him doing what he knows how to do and letting the music speak for itself. He's so good at capturing the things that we say in conversation. Like, even there are too many heads on this, right? Like, there's there's the way that he is able to capture the vernacular and lay it out on the track is is beautiful and it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel like he's pushing for things to be catchy or memeable he's just it, it feels like that's truly coming out of him man so some of my highlights from from this album uh the intro track the valley of the shadow of death very just like conveying his ability to talk about black issues without being preachy uh just being observant right almost in a in a baldwin-esque way over beats and then gucci tried to tell me just another a bit his ability to put songs together his ability to to create like something that feels effortless but is also has so much musical integrity is amazing and then is uh this cigarettes is probably my is one of my like i love the whole thing i love the whole joint man this is this is a this is a four out of five for me if i can jump the gun and get my my score yeah, yeah. but i i, nah. I rock this heavy man mick jenkins elephant in the room Zway, what you think highlights bro super solid super solid man you know who's that one um x-man that is able to shape shift and change colors and fit into any space uh shift and change colors and not nah, the, the blue one Mystique is the one that can change and be anybody, but Nightcrawler is the one that can jump to wherever he want to go. I think Nike, I think Mick Jenkins is the Nightcrawler of hip-hop, bro. I think Mick, Mick Jenkins really is the Nightcrawler of hip-hop. When you see what he's do doing to the K Trinata sounds, right? When you see him jump into this electro side, and then you see him jump into the 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 the, the lo-fi alternative beats on Da P off of that Lemonade, and you see him being able to then dive into um, for instance, on Truffles, which is a more trap beat and whatnot, right? Like, I think this dude really is super, super talented in what he can do. Um, like you said, the Valley of the Shadows, uh, Valley of the Shadows of Death, is it? Um, and then Contacts for me was Contacts for me is one of my favorite songs right now. Uh, Truffles as well is the Cigarettes. Um, super, super solid album. I'm giving this a four out of five. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly, this is this is one of the the more favorite listens that I've that I've heard this year. 
Yeah, man. King of the new school. King of the new school. I'm, I'll crown him now. King of the new school. Over Boogie? See, this is this is and this is the conversation that we're getting to, right? The conversation it's, it's who is the king of the new school? Because now we can already crown your the the, the three headed the the three headed leaders of of Westeros and the beyond. You know, you have you have uh, Cole, Kendrick, and Drake. Mm-hmm. Solidified, whatever it is, but they're now old and fat and sitting on their account and sitting on their thrones and then somewhere out there there's a young john snow who's out there just slicing away right and mm-hmm. who who those people are to me at the moment mick jenkins is one of those people saba is one of those people boogie i don't want to put reason in there but boogie i'm putting into that fight um th- those three you a hater you put you put saba in there over reason definitely putting saba over reason you're a hater. Saba's had better albums. Saba's, Saba's had better albums than Reason, bro. You're a hater. Saba's had better Saba. albums than Reason. I love Saba, but in terms of like, if you're saying if you're saying who you like, but if you're saying in terms of who's got the who's got the audience and who's got the intention and who's lined up to be in that position, I don't see Saba as being closer to that position, even if that's an industry thing than than Reason. Who's better is my question. I, I think well oh, that's a that's a difficult question, but I don't know Who's if better? I that but that's but that's what I'm saying. I'm that's what I'm trying to do is separate those two questions. There's a question of who you might think is a better rapper, but there's also a question of if you look at the industry landscape, if you're talking about who's being propositioned as those three people, I think it's very difficult to make an argument that Saba, whose label I'm not sure is in a better position to be that than TDE signed reason who got I, schoolboy Q J rock SZA, Rhapsody on his last album. All of us, are, all of us, both of us need to never have another conversation by hip hop because we did forget who the actual King of the new school is, which is Rashad, right? Rashad I is, that. I was getting there. I was just addressing all of your individual blasphemous comments. But I wanted <laughs> <laughs> but 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 this I'm is I'm wearing an Isaiah Rashad t-shirt. How is not gonna forget Isaiah Rashad? Is that an Isaiah Rashad t-shirt you're wearing? This is the little sunny, this is the house is burning t-shirt, my G. This is not a game. Oh damn, 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 damn. Listen, but but all to say, right? All to say Rashad to me is 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 the king of the new school. Um that's Saba is a bit Saba has <laughs> <laughs> I sounded cloud nasty. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> Saba has better albums than Reason, is why I'm putting it there. And if and if there's an open spot for honorable mention, I put Saba in that honor in that spot before I put Reason in that spot. That's a, I'm hey man. That's yeah. Each to each his own. I would, but then there's this interesting conversation if we're talking like yeah, if you're talking about who the lyrical next people up are, I would say. I, because because there's a question about who you think is the best, and there's a question about who's propped up in that position. JID to a lot of people is that guy. JID just off to of the who bill. to a lot of people to a lot of people. JID is that guy. JID is that guy, and I would say that uh, Boogie is under Boogie is under appreciated still. I think. And so there's a difference. I would say there's a difference between the ones that you would pick and the ones that are next up in that new school. Yeah. Cause there's also, I mean, there's, there's a conversation to be had about 
Okay, so then where did, so then what are you putting Lil Dirk, NBA Young Boy, and Lil Baby? You see, but like that's the thing though, is that whenever we have these conversations about hip hop, we have to move away from the most popular to and obviously all conversations about hip hop are always gonna be subjective, right? It's always gonna be subjective to what niche, genre, or lane of hip hop that you follow. The king of my new school, which is different from what the next generation is. When you're talking Dirk, baby, and you're talking young boy, and you're talking Uzi, you're talking about a generation that's that's after me. You're not talking about the people. Them niggas is younger than me. So you're talking about niggas that is after me. You know I what I mean? Saba's not- younger than you too, though. I think Saba is like Mick Jenkins. We're the same age. We're all the same. We're all the same age. We're older than Dirk. We're older than Dirk. We're no, older we're than Dirk. We're the same. They're all the same age. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we're all late twenties. Dirk, baby, like Mick Jenkins, Saba. I'm pretty sure we're all late twenties. Maybe the audience is a little bit younger, but you can't you can't say that they're a different generation of rapper. I don't think that's fair. fair, enough. fair, fair but like their audience is a different generation. Is all I'm saying. Their audience is a different generation. Maybe. Who Uzi Dirk and who Uzi Dirk and Young. Young boy never broke again. Who their focus attention audiences? That's not that's not for me. That's not music that's speaking particularly to my palate. That's what I'd call TikTok music, right? So it's it's yeah, man. There's there's um it's it's a hip hop right now is at a very exciting place and it's very difficult to have a conversation of who's best because it then becomes it starts to become ageist a bit. Maybe, but I think I think I I think we show our I think you're we're showing our age if you think Dirk is just TikTok music because I think Dirk has a very solidified place in the broad spectrum of hip hop, even just kids that are listening to music in their headphones, right? Like, yeah. But but there's, and but if you want to talk about who's the best lyrically, right? I would and like or who's making the best art hip hop wise in terms of like the new school, then I'm I'm happy to put isaiah there i'm happy to put kenny mason there right as a dark horse of somebody who yeah i think that guy i think kenny mason's got some you want to talk about albums you might not like the metal sound of angelic hood rap but if you want to talk about somebody who can put together an artistic album boy i don't know i don't know how many can contend with that uh and i would put i would put i put reason there because I think, yeah. I think reason has shown that reason can make all different types of songs when it comes to body of works uh, I love what Saba's put together, and he might be my honorable mention. But there's, there you have it, and New Beginnings have a polished, a polished like something just in them that makes me feel like you can create a different level of of music that can be Kendrick esque in its ability to be deep, but also reach a lot of people. And that's what I'm looking. That's what that's what puts Boogie ahead of him, even to me, is that Boogie has that even more, right? And yeah. So, I don't know, man. And they're gonna they're gonna kill us on this conversation because we didn't mention Travis Scott. We didn't mention any of the people that are dominating. Yeah. So I think maybe the better question is King of the Underground, right? I think the conversation that we're having is King of the New Underground, not so much King of New School, because King of New School, you have your Travises, you have yeah, but these dudes who are and your Dirks and whatnot. I can come, I can put Travis in like so like when we people when people talked about like the top three right and that's something we've come back to a bunch of times in hip hop of like the previous generation they go Kendrick Cole Drake and then Kanye who isn't with Hove and DMX and Nas 
right? Kind of gets put in his own because he's the producer guy. He makes this incredible music. And I think Travis has firmly kind of assumed that seat of like, he doesn't need to be in that top three conversation to be extremely relevant, to be able to do things that no other artist can do. But he's almost not comparable because he's not really trying to rap in the same way. He's not even in the lyrical conversation, not because he's not able to put together dope lyrics, but because he doesn't really have an interest in dropping a freestyle to tell other rappers that he's a better lyrical miracle rapper than than they do than they yeah. are uh, then in that case then you'd get a lot of pushback for tyler the creator fans who feel like he is somebody that dominates in that and if we're talking about the king of um new a uh, the 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 popular king of, of of sound then definitely i'd include tyler in that fight i'd include travis in that fight um i'd put that in there but if we're looking more underground uh, we're, we're talking Viz Staples, Mick Jenkins, and obviously this is an underground podcast for the most part. So please don't kill us when we talk about who the top is. We ain't really looking at the top of the billboards like that. Big facts, big facts. Yeah, gotta big up Vince. There's a lot of there's a lot of dope music that's happening. I I, I still the conversation is has always been like no matter how old I am, I've always heard from other people. My hip hop ain't the same. It's still there, man. And this Mick Jenkins album is is high evidence of that. The Little Sims, Sometimes I Might Be Introvert album is high evidence of that. There's There are people making very, very artistic hip-hop out there. Still, yeah. we'll go get that. Go enjoy that. We've named a bunch of them. Uh, Saba Bucket List Project. Saba, what's the second one called? Prom King? No, that's that. That's um, that. Life. Life. Uh, care, care for me. Care for me. Incredible album. Care for me. Yeah, man. Isaiah Rashad, The House is Burning. Isaiah Rashad, The Sun's Tirade. Put you some good music on on Sunday, man. Hey, man, listen. And if you got somebody that you care about, make sure you let them know that you care about them. Um, tomorrow ain't really promise like that. If you got people in your life that need that uplifting, be that person and give them that uplifting. Mr. Miles Xavier, you're definitely one of those people to me. I appreciate that. And because I appreciate you and you appreciate me, we said we'd come on this show to do one thing only, which is give the people a space, even if for a moment, a little bit of positivity, even if for a moment, a little bit of conversation to uplift their day, because we know, man, we know. Yeah, we know that you could be anywhere in the world, man, but you in tune with us, man. You in tune with us through some technical difficulties. You in tune with us through some audio difficulties. You in tune with us as we stumble through what we've stumbled upon, man. This is the show where we try and make sense of what we're seeing out there in the world and try and be be vulnerable, take on tough conversations. So we appreciate y'all rocking with us, man. We we hope that you see the, the advancements, the progress that's being made in all of the different like the segments and how we're how we're switching things up, adding audio visuals to make this a beautiful experience. Whether you on SoundCloud, YouTube, Apple Music, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you might be, you know, we want you to like, comment, and subscribe because this is still the ground floor of something that's gonna be amazing, man. I think we are coming to a place where we're gonna be able to hit 2022 with some with some crazy, consistent, carefully curated content for y'all's cranium through the celebration of celebrating, through the celebration of life, through the celebration of how good it feels to be black. Don't it feel good, Zway? It feels incredible. And if you got somebody, if you got any place where you can help people, make sure you help people wherever you can, man. Yep. Help comes in all shapes and sizes. Sometimes it just means making sure that you share a meal, eating something delicious, or hugging somebody you love and like that. Peace, water, we gone.